0: Welcome to Rebel Health Radio, bringing the best in alternative and integrative medicine to your ears. Hello everyone, it's Patricia Warby, Alchemy Therapies and My Emotional Audit. And today I want to talk about something called epigenetics. And this is what really controls the way you feel, how you age, the kind of uh, diseases you get. um, Basically everything about your, your health and well-being. And it really, it's an interesting term, isn't it? Epigenetics means above genetics. I talked about this a lot in my book, A Scar That Won't Heal, because I'm very interested in the interface between mind and body, in what I call mind-body medicine. And so um, we used to think, didn't we, that your genes controlled everything, and they were kind of like the blueprint for your life. And what we now know, actually, is that genes are not the be all and end all. In fact, they are what you'd call the hard disk, and not the operating system. All right, they, they they are the predispositions. They set the tone for your life experience, but they don't control it. What controls it, very interestingly, is your environment. Now, let me explain a little bit more about that. Let's start with the the history of of kind of genetic understanding, because. Uh, there was an explosion in the sort of 1970s, 1980s, uh, uh, an understanding that the genes were very complex and that perhaps if we understood them all, if we mapped them all, we would cure all human disease. That was the understanding behind what was called the Human Genome Project, which uh, sort of was undertaken in the late 1990s and the early 2000s. And the idea was if we if we mapped the genome, which is the collection of genes, um, we would have like the blueprint for life for the human being. And we would be able to intervene where genes were faulty. We could insert new genes that would create uh, a better outcome. So things like um, muscular dystrophy, for instance, which is one of the pure uh, genetic diseases. Huntington's career is another one. and, and there are other diseases, maybe like breast cancer, which has a BRCA gene involvement, that it doesn't cause it as, as such, but it does influence whether you're likely to develop it or not. And so the, the white heat of uh, research interest was to make sure that if we understood it all, uh, very left brainless, if we understood it all, we could fix it. OK, um, and then. They did the work and there was a huge international collaboration of research scientists and it took three years to map the entire human genome. Now it would take probably a few months because uh, the technologies improved so much. And they found we had roughly 20 to 22,000 genes um, at the time, which was so totally shocking. It, it made people think, well, there must be a mistake. We've, we've obviously measured wrongly. Uh, because rice has forty thousand, all right. <laughs> uh, uh, rats have have more. You know, it seemed completely opposite to what you'd expect. If if the human is considered to be the most complex living organism alive, let's say, uh, that's obviously a human perspective. Then we would expect the genes to be the most numerous and complex well one thing was right about that and one thing was wrong yes they are complex but they're not that numerous because as i've just said the genes are the the hard drive right and what turns them on and off what actually operates them is things in the environment and so you don't need a huge number to make complexity you just need variation of um which genes come on and off. And if you think um, 22,000 doesn't sound like a large number, but if you were to do the probability of of switching all the different genes on and off, the probability of any one configuration is huge, isn't it? So you've basically got infinite variation or or very high large numbers. I'm not gonna go into the maths here, but large number of of variants through that genome, depending on which are turned on and which are turned off. And so, this is the complexity conundrum. Okay. That's what it was termed, you know, why a human being would have so much less than lesser organisms. I'm just putting that in scary quotes because, uh, again, that's a human centric view. <laughs> um, so, what's missing from the story? Okay. One word the microbiome. OK, now, in my previous video, I talked about the gut as being more than a digestive system. And I came on to the idea that the, the microbes that live in and on us are part of our genetic imprint. We are not a human being as an individual. We are a human community of individuals. In other words, the, the microbes that live on us or in us are contributing, they're exchanging genetic information with us all the time and so looking after your microbiome eating good food drinking pure water um, getting exercise uh, being outside in fresh air hopefully um, are all part of maintaining our relationship with this community and what's really interesting is that the microbiome um, is conveying information to us and it's picking up information from us so It's actually having a dialogue with us. Um, And a large part of that is genetic, okay? Because microbes reproduce at a much faster rate than we do, you know? Uh, um, They can double in seconds. So that's their kind of gift to us, is adaptability. They've gifted us the, the chance to modify and change our responses in the light of whatever's going on in our environment. And so that's why really we host so many microbes is because we can't change that quickly, but they can. Um, and what's really key, I think, is to understand that the, the the genes in your, say in the nucleus of your cells are not this fixed thing that, that kind of create the proteins and, and respond by um, allowing us to grow and so on. This is what I learned in biology in school. You know, you had your DNA, you created the the proteins from the RNA and the proteins went and did all the work. Well, yes, that's true. But there's, there's a complex story around that. You know, what causes what genes to be read, for instance? How does the DNA get unwound? Because as you know, DNA is a tightly coiled, not only is it a double helix itself, But it's also uh, like a a ball of wool. It's it's wrapped around itself and in a protein sleeve called histones. And and so in order to get to the DNA to read it, it has to be unwound specifically in different segments. And what causes that to happen is protein signaling um, largely, as I said, from either the microbes themselves or from us. Um, telling us what ones are appropriate to be read and therefore translated into proteins and a good example would be um, zonulin uh, which is a, a tiny little protein called a peptide which is secreted when your gut needs to be more permeable and allow semi-permeable i should say it's a semi-permeable membrane in your gut and it needs to allow certain proteins in but not others Um, And when your gut becomes too permeable, you get something called leaky gut syndrome. And that's where you've lost the dialogue between uh, what's appropriate in this environment. And you're just allowing everything in. Hence, you get all sorts of autoimmune diseases because large proteins are coming through instead of just tiny ones that the body needs. So zonulin is a, is a, a peptide or small protein that is secreted in order to control the permeability of your gut membrane. So it's a really um, fascinating insight, but that's only one of thousands and maybe millions of proteins. We haven't isolated them all yet. We really don't understand everything that we're doing. Um, we, we think we know so much. And actually, we're only at the beginning of our understanding, I would say. So, so Bruce Lipton was a great um, writer on this, and he wrote The Biology of Belief, which was a an absolutely classic book written uh, it's over 15 years, I think now, 15 years ago. Um, nobody had realized that beliefs and thoughts and Uh, Emotional kind of imprints would would have any influence whatsoever on your DNA, on what was read, on the kinds of proteins that you're producing. But it clearly does, and we know that people who are in harmony with their values and live uh, a, a lifestyle that suits them actually live longer and healthier lives, and that's that's why. And he was very instrumental in outlining the the principle of that, and he also gave us a very good understanding that the the previous kind of model that we had that the nucleus was like the brains of the cell Uh, and that's the bit where the dna is largely contained it's not the only place where there's uh, dna but it's where we get the majority we certainly have our chromosomes in there and uh, he demonstrated that if you took the nucleus out of a cell uh, the cell could carry on living now how could that be if it no longer had a brain But if you destroy the membrane of the cell, it dies very, very quickly. And so his theory, which has now been proven, is that the membrane is like a a semiconducting crystal, and it actually stores information holographically, I would say. Um, It it stores information about what's outside and, and what needs to happen inside. And so membranes are actually really, really key as well. And probably more so than the nuclear DNA. And then there are the mitochondria, right? Mitochondria, your energy factories. Okay, everybody, most people know that. Athletes know this. You know, um, there's a lot of biohackers out there who talk about mitochondrial function. But did you know it has its own DNA as well? All right, little circular DNA. It's not like the the, the double helix uh, in the, the sort of big clusters that we see in the nucleus. All right, and and guess where mitochondria came from? Right? If you have a look at what they look like, you'll see they look remarkably like bacteria. Okay, And there's a reason for that. They were once bacteria that fused with a, an original animal cell uh, hundreds of thousands of years ago it, when we were evolving. And, and so we get the benefit of this uh, quick change response that bacteria give us through their uh, mitochondrial, as it is now, but their their DNA, their looped DNA, um, they get the benefit of fairly constant conditions in the human being, all right? Because a homeostasis, which is a term given to maintaining an internal uh, balance, is, is fairly well controlled. And so bacteria get the benefit of a nice, warm, cosy environment, and we get the benefit of this quick reaction and adaptability to our environment. So microbes, folks, are evolved with us. They actually give us a lot of uh, what we are. Uh, they give us intelligence in some ways because uh, they're picking up signals and transmitting it to our brains via peptides and other molecules called cytokines. There's, there's so much that we didn't know and that I didn't learn when I, when I studied um, biochemistry and physiology so folks mitochondria are very very key because they're signaling I'll talk about that more in one of my next videos but you are not a a single organism (laughs) you're not an I you're a we Um, and keeping care of your your microbes um, as I've said is so key to good health so Look after yourselves and see you in the next vid. Take care. Oh, and subscribe. Thank you. Bye. Hey, hope you enjoyed listening to Rebel Health Radio. Do subscribe and look forward to catching you soon.